You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. My name is Nathan Crank. This is your boy. We're back at it a week after election week. And obviously, things are still kind of ongoing, uncertain, very tense out there in the world. Uh, I've kind of crafted this message that I hope will resonate with a lot of people in the church, a lot of people who are striving to live virtuous lives, lives of excellence, uh, because I've just been immersed, you know, in social media and conversations about this stuff, watching the news and things staying up to date, you know, on what's taking place in the United States right now in, in regards to the election and, and just kind of what's going on, generally speaking, you know. And so obviously uh, one of the interesting things, I think, for me is how split the church is, how split Christians are when it comes to the two candidates, uh, when it comes to the political parties in general. And so I'm actually not going to get into that today to like political base, but I think today's message is very much uh, for both sides and it's for everybody to hear. I think that uh, these things are incredibly important, and I think that uh, we really need to keep all this stuff in mind, especially in difficult times. So um, these are just some of the, the, the primary things that have been on my heart that I've been thinking about and that I've needed to hear, you know, over the last last week or so as well. And so I think the first thing that we have to remember is who we are. You have to remember who we are. And I think it's very easy for us to kind of forget that as we get so passionate about politics, it's easy for us to think that we are members of the United States before we were members of the kingdom of God. And when we do that, that is where we really start to make mistakes, I think, both in our voting, but also in our spiritual lives and our social interactions. We have to keep in mind that our primary mission, our primary purpose here in life is to be who God created us to be, not to be who, you know, uh, politicians say we should be, not to be who the world says we should be, not to be who uh, celebrities say we should be, but to be who God says we should be. And so we have to constantly be praying and discerning those things and just letting our faith be the primary influence in our lives so that we can be formed as individuals the way that God wants us to be formed. You know, I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to elections and, um, and just politics in general, we always, you know, hear about church and state. And I've seen some horrible things said about the Catholic Church, especially when Amy Coney Barrett was um, going through her Senate hearings and then got uh, selected and appointed, uh, you hear so many things, you know, I, I truly believe, I've heard a lot of people say this, I believe personally that the only acceptable form of bigotry is against Catholics in our country. It, it's fully accepted, it's embraced, it's um, it promoted at times, you know, and I think that 
there's such a strong emphasis on keeping religion out of politics, which if you think about what that actually means, you know, and not to get in too much of a tangent here, but if you think of what that actually means, it means that we're not going to make going to mass a legal obligation. We're not going to make it a legal obligation to become Catholic. It does not mean that our consciences and our reason and our, you know, our moral, our morality are not formed by our faith. It doesn't mean that any logical argument that's also supported by the church, we have to neglect or assume is wrong when we come to the political sphere. It doesn't make any sense, you know? So the idea is like separation of church and state for the sake of the state is to not force religion upon people. And believe it or not, uh, things like believing in traditional marriage or believing in um, being pro-life are not, are not us trying to force our religion on people. It's actually about rights and families and logic and natural law and things like that. So you have to keep that in mind. I think it's so important to understand that it's the, the world, you know, the world, the media, politicians who are arguing against things that the church believes and teaches as they persecute the church uh, through slander. But you see it even happening now with people being attacked in, in churches in, in Europe, in South America, churches being burned down in the United States, especially on the West Coast, churches being attacked, statues being broken, uh, things like that, churches being uh, just desecrated and, and um, yeah, just disrespected in, in, in horrible ways. And I think you have to remember that they will lie to you to get you to vote for them and to believe what they want you to believe and to stop, oh, no, no, you can have that opinion. For, like the, the world and politicians want to tell you that, you know, and I think Joe Biden is an example of this. You can have that stance or position for yourself, but in politics, that doesn't belong here. You know, you can't say what the church believes can't be right because it's the church. And so therefore you have to believe what we believe. And you don't want to be one of those people who's trying to, you're not going to force your religion upon other people, right? So you can be pro-life for yourself, but you shouldn't be pro-life, you know, in a public area, in a public arena. That's not reasonable. It doesn't make any sense. We're not going to force our religion upon people. I have no desire to force people to legally go to mass at all, like none whatsoever. But I do have a desire to force people to protect life from womb to tomb, you know, and to protect the dignity of life. Um, because that's important, right? And, and you can use very, uh, you know, secular, just objective, logical, reasonable arguments as to why that's true. It doesn't need to be because, you know, this is what the, the catechism of the Catholic Church says on this. So this is what popes have put out in the past. No, it's just logic. Like there's logical, secular arguments that support this from a morality perspective. And that's why I believe that it's true. And that's why I stand for this. And so you can't just, you know, neglect that. And we have to remember that as we, we strive to remember who we are, we strive to remember whose we are, that God's going to judge us for how we lived our lives in every sphere. So I think a lot of times we think that we can leave our faith and morality outside of politics, and that God's going to leave our political views outside of our judgment. That, my brothers and sisters, this is not the case. God is not going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I remember you were an American, right? So the church and state thing, you didn't bring your faith into like the public arena, the public sphere, because you were afraid of you know, getting said, getting called not woke, and you're afraid of people thinking that you hated women or that you weren't, uh, you know, anti-racist, all these things. So yeah, no, I get it. Like, you just like neglected me when you were out there. And that's fine. I'm going to be perfectly okay with that. Because I understand how church and state works. No, 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 my friends, we cannot leave our faith out of politics. And our faith will not leave the politics out of our judgment. Our, our, you know, our Savior will not leave that out of us. And so we have to keep that in mind as we go forward. The other thing I want to say about church and state is that that's also to protect the church from the state. Separation of church and state, when you're talking about Christian founding fathers, they were not only doing that to keep the religion 
religion out of politics. It was to keep politics out of religion as well. That's why we have amendments and rights that allow us the freedom of assembly, that, that allow us freedom of religion, because you can't, you know, politicize your religion. You can't, you know, uh, start to allow lawmakers to restrict how we exercise our religion, so long as we're not hurting and, and you know, intruding upon anybody else's rights, and, and we're not doing that. But you've seen how quickly this year we've given up a lot of religious liberties due to COVID-19. So it's kind of amazing. You know, I remember sharing a meme one day that was like Nero, you know, the great um, persecutor of the church back in the day, uh, saddened to realize that all he had to do to stop Christians from gathering was declare a pandemic. And it's not to downplay the, the pandemic. It's not to downplay the virus. Many people have died and it's very sad. I don't deny that. But we just have to be mindful of how much we allow the government to just control when our churches can be open and when they can't, because that's a dangerous game to start playing. And I feel like not enough people kind of realize how much of a slippery slope that is to just say, oh, yes, please, you know, tell us when we can go to church and when we can't. You know better than we do. You know better than the bishops, the pope, um, you know, better than I do for my family. And you tell me when I can go to church and when I can't. Please let me know when it's safe again. Almighty master. Like that is, that is a dangerous game to get into uh, of allowing people to just kind of dictate to you when you can have the freedom of assembly, when you can exercise your rights to worship God in the way that God calls us to worship. You have to remember as Catholics, we're called to receive communion in the flesh. Sure, you can do spiritual communion, but like that is not the way that God, <laughs> Jesus intended for it to happen, you know? It's for us to just willingly let the government dictate whether or not we can do that, whether or not you can receive the sacrament of confession. So if you think it's sad how many people have died from COVID-19, also think how many people have died without last rites, have died without going to confession, have died without being able to go worship God in church and be baptized and be saved. That's sad. You want to know what's sad? Uh, much sadder than martyrs dying is people dying unbaptized um, or people dying from, you know, if you think about it on a spiritual level, is it sadder to die having, you know, risked your life through a pandemic for the Eucharist or to have never been baptized and not receive the Eucharist and, you know, just shut church operations down for two years or however long we're going to do this thing for and then have all those people who have died in the midst of that. Um, because we haven't been doing the work of the church. And so I think this, this is the balance, you know what I mean? I just try to share things from both perspectives so we can understand that. But again, people, we have to remember who we are. We are not called to be people of fear, like whether or not we're going to be cautious and prudent. Prudence is definitely one of the cardinal virtues, but we're not called to be fearful. And there's a strong difference in that. I remember what it was like, you know, putting my equipment on, putting my gear on to go out in Afghanistan on mission that's different than being afraid. Like I, and you can have like a nervousness or whatever it might be, but you should be prepared in the midst of being careful and being prudent. If we're not called to be fearful and we're certainly not called to spread messages of fear, being realistic and being prudent and sharing knowledge and wisdom that's confirmed and understood and that is scientifically proven. Yes. But just spreading like fear mongering. I've seen so many Christians on, on Facebook and Instagram, just fear mongering, sharing the statistics every single day. You know, one thing that I think is so interesting about, and this isn't a COVID-19 podcast, but this is just on my mind and heart, and I, I'm just kind of using these to rant, you know, these, these few weeks. Uh, one thing that's been on my mind big time is I truly believe, you know, while I, again, I love this claim is right. I believe the pandemic is real. I believe that this virus is deadly. I believe all of those things. I believe we should be precautious. I think you should wear your mask and wash your hands, right? I think that if we recorded on a national scale by state every single day in front of people on national television, how many deaths, how many cases, how many of anything that happened, of any disease, of, of cancer, of car accidents, of gun, uh, you know, gun violence and actual like inner city shootings and 
murders and all this. If we recorded every single thing like that, we would be terrified of whatever that thing was. And so I do think that, and I, I don't know how anybody could disagree with that. If you put something in front of people constantly and show that people are dying, and it's, now they're not even really talking about the deaths anymore. We're talking constantly about new cases, but they scared everybody at the beginning with the deaths. And now we're just tracking the new cases every day. There's so many new cases. At, we would be afraid of anything. And so it is, I mean, you can't convince me that that's not a way of trying, striving to control people, striving to influence an election, striving to influence a culture, because it is. There's, there's a reasonable amount of covers that needs to be done, a precaution that needs to be taken, a prudence that needs to be had. But we don't do that for literally anything. If we, if we spent this much money, time, and energy on anything that kills us on a regular basis, we would almost be able to eradicate that thing, right? Can you imagine if we put this much attention on on uh, on gun crimes, or if we put that much attention on, um, you know, cancer or heart disease, or these, you know, these huge, huge medical issues that we have, and things that are facing us, um, it's incredible. It's really incredible to think about, uh, you know, just what it would be like. And I think that we'd be afraid of whatever it was. But we, as as Christians, we're not called to be fearful. We're called to be saint. We're called to be people of joy, people of hope, people of love during this time. And so I want to hit on that, you know, as we go forward. So. Of being people of love, I think one of the main things you have to avoid right now is trying to avoid arrogance. And arrogance is always hard to avoid. Pride is always hard to avoid. Humility is one of the toughest virtues to have. But I just want to tell you, you know, whatever side you find yourself on, we obviously get prideful and arrogant when we think that we're right and when we feel like we're definitely right. You know, and I think one thing you have to remember as somebody who's gone on quite the political journey myself, quite the spiritual journey myself, is we have to remember the way that God has worked in our lives and how he's currently working in our lives. And I think that we have this, a lot of times we have what I like to call the, you know, I think, I, I, or not what I like to call, excuse me, I read this in, in a book called Made the Stick um, by Chip Heath. He says that there's this thing called the burden of knowledge. And sometimes we have the burden of knowledge. And what that burden is, is it says that when you have certain information, right, when you have a lot of knowledge in an area or, or a subject, it's hard to remember what it was like when you didn't. And so one of my things, when, I, when I'm arguing with a lot of my political opponents, I can understand because I used to be on their side of seeing things from their perspective, I can more easily, I think, than some remember what it's like and understand their thought process and why they feel the way they do about the topic that's at hand. And I think that that's what we're called to do and we have to remember is what is it like to, you know, that, that some people really believe the things that they're telling you, right? They, they typically do. They're not, like a lot of people are not maliciously, um, most people are not maliciously just trying to be wrong, trying to be awful human beings. They could just be very, very uh, poorly, uh, I don't want to say educated, but they could just be misinformed. Um, because if you don't believe misinformation is real on both sides, then I think you're out of your mind. Uh, they could be misinformed. They could just have good intentions and, and bad influences in their lives. And you really don't know what the cause of somebody's, you know, uh, the, the root cause of their beliefs or whatever it might be. And so we're called to listen and converse with people and to understand um, what they feel and what they think and, and just to be empathetic in the midst of that, you know, which isn't easy to do, especially when it's something you feel very passionately about. But that's, that's one of the things that I think they should know we are Christians by our love. That's one of the ways that we can really show that is, is how do you act when somebody disagrees with you? And I shared with you last week of how I noticed that my heart, get, my heart rate gets going when I start getting disrespected. And I think people are, you know, when I feel like they're malicious, or I feel like they're downplaying the value of human dignity or life or these different topics. Um, but I think that we have to really understand how people feel and start to understand that 
really start to release control in these conversations because that's a lot of times what we try to do. And that is pride. If we truly are on, you know, God willing on the right side of history, if we're on the right side of church history and our beliefs and the things that we vote for, the things that we stand for are correct and they are the most important topics and fights of this time, then it is not fully our responsibility to convince everybody to our side. The other side has the burden of doing that, right? Because there is no, if there's not God on your side, then, then it is you just trying to convince everybody of what you believe. But if God is truly, you know, if, if we are not, I don't say God on your side, if we are on God's side, I saw Father Brian Nolan shared that, that great quote from Abraham Lincoln earlier today that somebody asked him, you know, do you think God's on your side? And he said, I, I don't think about if God's on my side. I hope I'm on God's side. And man, if there's one freaking theme, that might be the title of this episode now. We want to be on getting on God's side. That should be the, the theme of what we're trying to do right now. But if we're doing that, we have to release control in the same way that we have to release control for evangelization. I say people always get frustrated with evangelization um, either because they're not giving their best effort or because they're giving their best effort and they think they can save everybody, right? And Jesus tells us in scripture, and we know just from reason and, and logic, that we're not going to convince everybody to believe what we believe. That's true for believing that Jesus is the son of God. That's true for believing that life starts at conception. That's true for believing whatever you might believe and you might feel passionate about. You're not going to convince everybody. And it's not your responsibility to, it's not your job. You don't have to do that. We are called to evangelize. We're called to share the truth, to share our faith, to share our perspective and reason and logic and the, 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 the knowledge that is behind it, you know, what, what made that, that well-formed decision, hopefully. But we're not, we're not responsible for changing everybody's minds. And so you have to release control of that because I think that allows you to be a lot more humble, a lot less worked up, a lot less aggravated by it all, because you should be righteously angry at, angry at injustice. And there's injustice that happens all the time. And I think there's a lot of times where we're underwhelmingly upset with injustice. You know, I, I was thinking this past week, I was like, man, if we all truly understood the truth of abortion, um, of what's happening every single day, you know, I know a few weeks ago, I gave some statistics on that, but what is it, 60 plus million babies killed since Roe v. Wade and just in the United States alone. If we truly understood that, and you've seen, the, if you've ever seen the videos of, you know, not to get too graphic, but of, of babies being pulled apart in the womb. If you've seen the movie Unplanned, and if you haven't seen Unplanned, you need to go watch Unplanned. If you haven't seen Unplanned and you voted and you feel like you know the importance of abortion, especially if you're downplaying the importance of abortion, go watch Unplanned and then come back to me and let's discuss it. Because I'd love to hear your perspective. I don't think it's possible to watch that and not feel like it's the number one issue of our time. I think you'd be out of your mind to watch that movie and not be convinced of that. Um, just like I think you'd be, you know, if, if they had movies back in the 1800s and you saw 12 Years a Slave or, or some of these movies that have really documented slavery in a wonderful way, or not in a wonderful way, but in an accurate way, um, you'd be hard pressed to say that slavery wasn't the biggest issues of the 1800s um, of the, you know, the 19th century. And so I think it's, it's important for us to let go of that control, guys. We have to, you know, understand that, that, that we are hopefully on God's side um, in these things and, and we can allow God to show us where he wants us to be and how he wants to use us. Um, but that ultimately, like, he's the one that changes hearts, not us. It's not Nathan Cranker that changes hearts. I just try to be a tool on the instrument of, or instrument in the hand of the Lord. And so we're all called to be that. We're all called to do that. And so think about how are, how are you allowing God to use you during this time to, to reach and touch the hearts of other people? And this is a difficult time to do that because everybody is highly upset. And so if you can be peaceful, you can understand that God's in control of your life that you're called to evangelize. And the two main things I always talk about, you're called to pursue personal sanctity, personal holiness, 
and to make disciples of all nations, to make disciples of other people. If you're trying to do that, you're going to have a peace and joy about you that no matter what is going on around you, you're going to feel pretty good about it because, uh, you know, I'm going to get into more on Wednesday, but uh, of this other, this other aspect of it, but we're not called to, to, to necessarily save America. We're not called to necessarily, you know, feel like we're, we have to like save our country or something like that. Like we're called to, at least not first, that's not our primary purpose. Our primary purpose is always to be saints. Um, and that might be a part of your sainthood, but it's definitely a part of less people than I think feel like it is right now while they're, you know, angrily typing at people on, on Facebook. And so I, I enjoy a good political meme as much as the next guy, but we just got to be careful with how much we joke about or downplay or, or you know, cast um, blanket statements on other people who disagree with us, uh, calling them stupid, calling them malicious. There are malicious and evil people out there for sure. I do believe that a majority of the people, especially when you're disagreeing with people who are within the church, um, I'd like to think and I hope that, you know, most of them actually have good intentions and they're not stupid and they actually want what's best for the world. I just think that they're um, misinformed or misguided in the way that we're striving to approach that and achieve that. And so that's important to understand. The other thing that kind of goes along with that is, is that I think, you know, if the Lord had a social media Ten Commandments, I think one of them would be thou shalt not cancel. And so what I mean by that is, you know, one of the polls I took at Instagram this week is have you deleted anybody from your social media over the last you know, a few months during the election season. And so I haven't, I haven't deleted or muted anybody. I'm sometimes surprised by the people who have not deleted or muted me, even though I did lose uh, probably 50 followers on Instagram over this time, which is, which is lovely. Um, uh, but I think that we have to be careful with that. We, we have to hate the sin, but we have to love the sinner. And so canceling people, what I mean by that is that um, this was something that was really big to me this week as I was just kind of praying and thinking about things is we have to be willing to love people who disagree with us. Um, and sometimes that love comes from just praying for them and not talking to them anymore. But sometimes it means that you have to continue in relationship and you have to lovingly show them, um, you know, the love of God. And especially, you know, there's so many people who I think feel very passionately, strongly as, as self-proclaimed Catholics or self-proclaimed Christians um, who feel very passionate about things that I think are contrary to church teaching, contrary to what Jesus would want. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of times those self-proclaimed or, you know, proclaimed self-proclaimed believers or followers of Jesus um, are very lukewarm in their faith. They're not very formed in their faith, but they feel very passionate. They're more formed by the world and politics than they are by the faith um, and their discipleship with the Lord. And so that's a dangerous space to be in. And so we have to show them gently with love and with our, ideally our example, how we can be more formed in our faith uh, so that we can make better decisions in the social circle. What does social excellence look like? And so I think it's important that we don't always cancel people. That can't be your go-to. You can't just silence everybody who disagrees with you. It's not going to work, right? It're not going to, you're not going to make a difference. You're just going to become a, you know, they're living this echo chamber where everybody believes what you believe. And yeah, you don't have to disagree with anybody. You don't have to see any opinions you don't like, but that's a dangerous place to be. And one of the things that I try to pride myself on is hearing things from both sides and then deciphering what's the truth and what do I believe? That's why I read books written by Democrats. And I read books written by Republicans and I try to alternate as best I can some of those books make me literally sick, but I try to alternate those books, those podcasts or those, um, you know, videos and stuff that I watch so I can stay up to date and I can understand how both sides feel about this. And that's actually a great lesson that my dad taught me. Uh, he, he was always very passionate about doing that. And so I think that's really important. And so I would encourage you, you know, one thing that I think is true these days is that I, I think, I don't know how people don't believe that the media is biased. Like what, you know, even when I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to make this one a political and like share my stance too much on this, but I have been on both sides of the aisle. And during my time, you know, whether that's president or past, 
of when I was on the liberal side of the aisle, I even then recognized like, wow, they cover a lot of really positive stuff for Democrats and a lot of really negative stuff for Republicans. <laughs> you don't really start to realize it. Like, I don't know how else to tell you. Like, just watch, watch the news this week every day and tell me what you see. And, and, and if you saw that this, whether you like Trump or Biden, I think it's undeniable that CNN, MSNBC, like they were showing you 95% negative about Trump, 95% positive about Biden. And so that shows you some bias. And so you can't only get your news from there if you're going to be well formed and actually start to understand the other side, especially if you find yourself as a, as a democratic Christian or Catholic, you have to understand that the, the, you know, celebrities, if you watch the Emmys, if you watch TV, if you watch uh, Hollywood, you know, if you watch um, like just social media censors the right, you, like, and then the news outlets are all giving you a left side. So the only way that you're going to get the conservative side to actually take in both ideas and both sides and actually logically determine and discern through prayer, what is the truth? What should you believe? What should you vote for? What would you stand for? What should you be willing to die for? What, what, what side is Jesus on? The only way you're going to get both sides is if you actively pursue the conservative sides because they're not as blatant. They're not as public. They're not as out there. You have to actually search for those. So if you're just by default taking in media through social media, through um, through major uh, media outlets, things that celebrities and all these famous people are saying, that's all left. You're not getting any information by the right. You're not getting any, like any of it, any of it. And that was something that I came to realize in my life. And so you have to be active about pursuing that. And you make your own decision. I'm not here to tell you, especially not today, what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe. But you have, I just want you to get both sides of the story so that you can actually start to make a decision on that. So I always say you're not discerning anything. You're not discerning between two presidential candidates if you only know that Donald Trump is an ass asshole. I already said it. If, you're, if you just think that he's an asshole and you think that everything Joe Biden does is golden because you just watch CNN all the time, then yeah, you're naturally going to believe that. But you're not actually discerning anything because one is an obvious, not a choice, not an option. And one seems like a great guy. So it's not a discernment of anything. You're not actually deciding what you believe or what you think is most important right now. And so understand that. Hate the sin love the center. Let's start to get back to loving people who disagree with us. Something that really hit me today, no matter which side you find yourself on, what if our modern day, you know, because you read scripture a lot of times and you think about the tax collector, you think about lepers and these people who Jesus went to and approached and loved. And he didn't, you know, not all of them followed him. He didn't stay, like I said last week, he didn't stay with everybody who disagreed with him. He didn't stay with everybody who was morally corrupt. He called them out of their sin and said, I forgive you. I want to show you God's mercy come and follow me, learn from me, take on this new life. A lot of people said no, understand that. But I think that he still went out, you know, and approached those people, dined with them, ate with them, sat with them. In the midst, you know, this perfect, you know, God man was out here dining and eating with a bunch of, you know, these sinful, awful people. What if those modern day, you know, tax collectors, what if the modern day lepers are these people who, you know, are not just our political opponents, but are the opponents of our culture, the opponents of our church? You know, who are the opponents of our people now, our fundamental beliefs? The reasons why the Jews uh, back in the day hated the tax collectors is because they felt like they sold them out to Rome. What if, the, you know, it was a political thing? It was all politics. It was all about the taxes and how they were cheating them and how they were, you know, servants of Rome instead of being servants of the Israel, uh, the Israelites. And so what if our modern day tax collectors, the people we're called to love and to dine with and, and still, you know, bring into our lives to a certain extent, are the people that we disagree with, all the people who are, you know, avidly pro-choice or all, all the people who are just avidly against the church and want to bring us down. And maybe perhaps, you know, the love of God working through us is capable of changing their hearts and minds. And so I think that's really important. 
Uh, the last couple of things I want to remind you are you need to be a peacemaker um, and you need to also accept difference in division. So there's going to be people who disagree with you, right? But we're called to be peacemakers, obviously. But that doesn't mean that we're called to be cowards. We're not called to be cowards. We're called to be peacemakers. You know, and Jesus says this. Um, I wish I could remember the scriptures. Jesus or St. Paul, who tells us to be as best. I think it's St. Paul. He's talking to Timothy. He says, as best you can, you know, keep peace with everybody. You know, have no issues with anyone. As best you can. It's not possible to do it with everybody. Don't go out there and start people pleasing and start apologizing for stuff you shouldn't be sorry for, for sharing the truth. Um, with when done with love and you know trying to help people to understand those things or for standing with, for what's right but at the same time like let's try to be peacemakers let's try to share our opinion in ways that are honorable in ways that we can look back on in a year or two um, and, and think that we did the right thing and we tried to love people and we tried to share what was right and we tried to be reasonable and logical and and lead in, in this time but also at the same time we're not uh, you know trying to create this utopia where everybody's going to believe what we believe there's never going to be differences of opinion. There's never going to be division because it's going to happen. And Jesus came to cause division. He's, he tells us this, that some will see the light, some will follow him, some will believe in him and love him. Um, and some people won't. And he's going to turn father against mother or husband against wife, you know, father against son, whatever it was. Like he, he said that he came to cause division because his beliefs and, and Christ's teaching are divisive. And so we have to keep that in mind. And to me personally, I don't believe that either party 100%, 100% represents the teachings of Jesus. Um, that's my personal belief. I believe that one party does significantly more than the other, but I don't believe that one party uh, totally 100% represents the teachings of Jesus. Um, and I don't think the other presidential candidate 100% by any means, you know, represents the teachings of Jesus or, you know, gives us a good example of what it means to be a Christian. Um, but I think that we have to, you know, really understand how can I strive to bring peace to people? How can I strive to empathize with others, to share the truth with love, um, to know and, and, and take the time to understand where other people are coming from, uh, to hear their pain and their hurt and their experience um, so that I can be a, a better formed American citizen. I can be a better formed Catholic. I can be a better formed man or woman. And then how can I allow God, you know, to entering in my own prayer life, my own study, my own interior life, how can I allow God to use me as an instrument during this time, to use my gifts and talents that he's given me to build up the kingdom of God, to be strong and courageous during this time, not just to run and hide in the corner until all this all this political stuff is out of the way, because it's not. And like the, the, us being political is not necessarily a bad thing. It's good that we be engaged in politics. It's good that we know these things. So let's, let's stay engaged in conversation. This is not a time to run and hide because this is going to be a, a culture battle. And I'm going to talk more on Wednesday about how it is, uh, this is a largely cultural battle that we're going through. And so it's really important uh, that we understand that, that we continue to fight the good fight and be who we're created to be. So go out there and be your best. Don't give up, uh, don't give up your hope. Don't give up your faith. Don't give up your joy. Uh, continue to control the things that you can control. Remain as humble as possible as you can. Uh, and just be a peacemaker, be a go-getter out there in the world, a difference maker, a positive um, impact, make positive impacts in the lives of all the people around you, and, and just continue to strive to be your best. God bless.